I, I'm not going to go into specifics because I know we're going to save it for the podcast, but episode 10 of Dawson's Creek is like high art, and I understand that I had like a third of a bottle of Vita tequila last night, but my God, the best show in the history of the world. Oh, Dawson, look, there's your mom. Back to you, Bob. Hello, and welcome to Back to You, Bob, a Dawson's Creek podcast. We are your hosts, Christina and Micah, and this is episode 210, High Risk Behavior, which originally aired on January 13th, 1999. It's a new year, baby. Yeah, it's the first episode of 1999. Sure is. Crazy that we're in a new year, because all 13 episodes of the first season and the first nine were 1998. Yeah. We're no longer in the 25th year. Oh, that's true. And I went to the... 24 years time is a fickle mistress 10th episode of the season so we're like halfway through season two almost which is almost why don't you tell us what we're drinking today today we are drinking the naked and famous it is three quarters of an ounce of mezcal three quarters of an ounce of aperol three quarters of an ounce of yellow chartreuse and three quarters of an ounce of fresh lime juice i love a cocktail when it's equal parts everything it makes it so much easier so much easier it's amazing this is one of my favorite cocktails it's like slightly bitter slightly smoky slightly herbaceous slightly citrus it's one of those things where a friend made it for me the first time and i had the first sip and i was like oh yeah this is good and then i had the second sip and i was like yeah this is good and then the third sip i was like i never want to stop drinking this yeah. this is the best thing i've ever had your mouth needs to just get a little yum, 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 yum. Mm-hmm. highly recommend i guess we'll have to find out why it is called the naked and famous Perhaps you can tell us right now. Perhaps I shall dive into the recap. (laughs) This episode opens in Dawson's bedroom where Dawson and Pacey are acting out his new script, which, as we know from previous episodes, is a love story. Pacey says it's very clear that Dawson is reliving his relationship with Joey through this script. Dawson says that's not true. Pacey says it is a good script, but he has one note. Why don't the teenage characters in the script have sex? It doesn't make any sense. And this note is something that Dawson hears actually throughout the entire episode. He hears it first from Pacey, then he hears it from people auditioning for the movie, and he hears it from Jen the entire episode, and Jen is helping produce and cast it. But Dawson is adamant that the riskier, edgier choice is not to put sex in the script, because the obvious choice is always sex. Every teen movie has sex, and it's just not the direction he wants to go in for his movie. Now, Joey appears to have a little FOMO when she realizes that Jen is the one that's replaced her on Dawson's movie. But as she's previously stated, she's very busy with her art classes, which have progressed into her sketching a nude male model. So Jack, being the klutz that he is, accidentally spills a drink all over Joey's nude portrait as she's working on it at school. It's a disaster because it cannot be saved and she has no way of finding a model to pose for her before it's due. So she's going to get an F. Naturally, Jack offers himself up as a nude model for her in order to make up for what he's done. 
Now, Pacey, meanwhile, surprises Andy with his STD results, which are all negative. And she says that this does not necessarily mean she's going to hop into bed with him. And he says, that's okay. You know, he really wanted to get the test done for himself. And she says she has a very particular night in mind for the night that she loses her virginity. When the time comes, she wants to take a long walk on the water. She wants to listen to Sinatra. She wants to go to a bed and breakfast where there'll be lavender candles. And they'll have just gone to a French restaurant. But she says... Really, no matter what, it just has to be special. She hasn't been a virgin for 16 years to lose it in some fleeting drunk moment that she'll never remember. So back to Dawson and Jen, you know, they're casting this movie. They're holding auditions. They're getting closer than ever, as they have been for a few episodes now. And she is really pushing him that she believes the script should have sex. And he says this is a romance movie. And she is trying to get him to not be so obtuse and to realize that sex and romance can go hand in hand. You know, they're not mutually exclusive. Sex is not this dirty little thing that he can't talk about. But he says that this movie is all about making the less obvious choice. Jen says if that were true, then he would have picked her and not Joey. Jen was the less obvious choice. So later that night at Joey's house, Joey and Jack are doing this new modeling thing. And, you know, they're both awkward. He's awkward. She's awkward. We're awkward watching it. And he's decided to cover himself up with the towel until they can get comfortable with this. So she's getting the lighting down. She's getting the setting down. And they're just getting to know each other while he has a towel on. And she confesses that she hasn't had sex yet. And he said that he's had it, oh, a number of one time. And he tells her about it. And they're really bonding. Eventually, klutzy Jack strikes again and the towel comes flying off and she sees him naked and it kind of breaks the ice so now they're just like they're fully into this they're off and running towels off he's naked she's sketching they're growing closer later that night when they're done they admit that they're attracted to each other and that there's something going on there between them and they share a kiss Meanwhile, Dawson and Jen across town are together, and he's starting to question whether he should have picked Jen instead of Joey. He puts it in his terminology. He says that maybe Jen should have been his leading lady. And they're talking about this whole sex thing again. And she says, you know, sex doesn't always need to come from a romantic place. You know, sometimes it can come from lust, and lust is just as interesting as romance. And that doesn't make it bad. She gets into his head, and eventually that night, Dawson decides to delete his entire screenplay. He's going to do a rewrite. Maybe lust and sex is the way to go. Dawson sneaks into Jen's room and they kiss as well. We check in with Pacey and Andy who have gone on this romantic date and she realizes that they're at a bed and breakfast and they've walked on the water and they went to a French restaurant and she realizes that they've done all these things that she wanted to do on her ideal night that she would lose her virginity. And she gets very nervous and she motor mouths and talks fast and does her typical Andy anxious thing and he calms her down and he says, you know, he wanted to plan this romantic nice night for her, but he actually doesn't want to have sex. He's not ready. They have a nice moment. They're kissing. Joey and Jack are kissing. Dawson and Jen are kissing in bed. And it's this montage of just all three couples kissing, kissing, kissing. And then we see Pacey and Andy leave the bed and breakfast and it says to be continued, which is where this episode ends, which is usually where our recap ends. But We did want to take this recap a step further because when we watched this in 1999, it was a two-parter and the commercial for next week's episode, the promo, did tell us that one of the three couples had sex. And next week's episode is called Sex She Wrote and it's kind of a murder she wrote mystery whodunit where Abby Morgan is kind of trying to get to the bottom of which of our couples had sex. So that is episode 210, High Risk Behavior. I loved that they did that. Loved. I remember being on the edge of my seat, like, oh my gosh, who do you think it is? There was such conversation like buzzing around it. And it makes sense now that I look back that we hadn't had an episode in about a month. So to come back with this, it's like, oh my gosh, this show's amazing. It's our first two-parter of the series. 
And this was like a nice kind of romance sexual episode. And then next week, it's almost like a full on film noir murder mystery. Next week's episode is really good. But they are two parter. They're a little different in tone, but they work well. Love these two episodes. I did want to put that tidbit in because I don't feel like the montage of the three couples at the end doesn't hit as hard if you don't know that one of them has sex. Yeah, agreed. And it's so interesting that there's a virgin in every couple and there's one person that's had sex in every couple. That's very true. Jack's had sex. Joey's a virgin. Jen's had sex. Dawson's a virgin. Pacey's had sex. Andy's a virgin. So we have three virgins and three non-virgins. And after tonight, we'll have two virgins and four non-virgins. Who do you think it is? I could tell you at the time, for some reason, I thought it was Joey and Jack. Oh, interesting. And I think it's just because he was nude. And, and, and to me, that like meant something more. I don't know. That meant she's already seen the, you know. They already crossed one of the lines. She's already seen the materials, you know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you think it was? I kind of thought it was Jen and Dawson, but also I didn't think that Dawson would ever do that. I thought that he could let go enough to go to her house, but not enough to let himself sleep with her. But then I was like, maybe they're going to try to like really shock us. I have so much more to say on that when we open it up, but I think they had a, they did a really good job of setting up each as a believable case. Mm-hmm. And I love that they turned like sex into a mystery. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Art. Hi, Art. Well, this episode was written by Jenny Bix. This is her first episode of the series. She wrote the screenplay for What a Girl Wants, the Amanda Bynes movie. She wrote 16 episodes of Sex in the City. She created that show, Men in Trees, the Anne Heche show. Yeah, absolutely. She wrote 10 episodes of The Big C. She wrote the story and the screenplay for The Greatest Showman. She's just a huge writer. She's still working now. She most recently created a show called Welcome to Flatch on Fox, mm-hmm. which is still on now. It actually was canceled like literally three hours ago. Oh no, my gosh. Joking. Yeah, no, I only know because I know a writer on it. It's the only reason I know. Well, I didn't know anything about it. I had never heard of it. I'm like really out of the network loop because I don't have cable. And I looked it up when I was doing my research for this and it looks really funny. It looks like office adjacent ensemble cast documentary style. It has Sean William Scott in it and Aya Cash and Paul Feig is a I think producer and director so it seems cool yeah I mean she's a great writer it's like it's no surprise that this episode is so good because I mean sex in the city is so good men and trees was great the big c was great divorce was great I have not seen welcome to flatch but like I mean her her resume is stacked yeah I loved divorce I thought that was a great show loved 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 yeah she's fantastic wonderful and she was complimented by James Whitmore Jr., who directed this episode. He's another one like Lou Antonio from last season, who is a director and an actor. He has 58 acting credits and 84 directing credits. He started acting in 75 and started directing in 85, and he's still directing today. So I just went through, obviously, I can't even begin to scratch the surface on his credits, but I went through and cherry-picked a bunch. He directed A 21 Drump Street, Melrose Place, Beverly Hills 90210, Buffy, Young Americans, Angel, 24, Dead Like Me, Harper's Island, which is a personal favorite among my friend group. Amazing. The Good Wife, Ray Donovan. He has done so many episodes of NCIS, like every single branch of NCIS. He has directed multiple episodes. 
and he is with us for six episodes of Dawson's Creek. This episode, this season, he has three episodes next season, one episode in season four. And then the thing that's interesting to me is they bring him back for season six, episode 23, which is the penultimate episode of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously they really respected him and held him in high regard to bring him back for such an important episode. And maybe they wanted that feel from earlier seasons at the end. Yeah, totally. Because they really did season five, six, it takes on kind of a different identity of the show. And, um, you know, maybe they wanted the the end to kind of resemble the beginning. And the finale was a two-parter. So it really was like a, he, he had a big hand in tying the show up. You know what I just saw here? That uh, this is the only episode that Jenny Bix has has written of Dawson's Creek. So this is it. This is it. And it's a great one. Good job, Jenny Bix. I wonder if she was like the freelance that season. As we've said, shows have to give away scripts to writers not on staff. And this is to keep non-working writers working, you know. So they call it a freelance script. Usually, I, I believe it's one freelance episode every 13 episodes. So usually in a 22 episode season, there's two, I believe. And maybe this was the seasons. I don't know. We'll we'll have to keep that in mind as we go. Something we can clock because I think up until now, every person who's written a script has been credited as a producer. I think so. Yeah. Because it was Greg Berlanti, Mike White, I think wrote two or three, the writing team. Darren I think and Shelley. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone's been on staff so far. So that's interesting. Very interesting. So who got that guest cast shout out this week? There really isn't anyone new for guest cast, but I was doing some digging into the co-stars and Brett McKee is credited on this episode as the thick neck football player. So I'm assuming it's the football player who's reading on stage auditioning for the movie. Co-stars can be a million different things. They can be people who are aspiring to be actors. They could be people who act here and there. Like sometimes someone has one co-star credit and that's it. They never go on to do anything else. He has a ton of credits. He's a successful stunt performer now. He actually was an actor in a show that I worked on, but seasons after I worked on it. And most notably, he was a stunt double for Jeffrey Dean Morgan in The Walking Dead. Oh, what a career. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, something that we haven't really touched on in this. There occasionally are roles in any given production that need to be cast by someone who has stunt experience, who is like a stunt person because they're more physical roles. So it seems like he's the kind of that guy. He does a lot of stunt double work and a lot of stunt man work, but he also does some acting in more physical roles. So he's he's got a nice little career. I just thought it was yeah. interesting. Worth a shout out. Worth a shout out. Yeah. I mean, it's an important job. It is. And it's something that you don't, I don't really think about, but it's such a huge part of a show. It's one of those jobs where you don't hear about it if they're doing a good job and you hear about it if they're doing a bad job because someone on set has been injured. Yes. <laughs> and it's in the news. So when they're doing their job, they're keeping everybody safe and they're keeping the actors safe. And it is very easy to get injured. You know, I mean, maybe not in a show like this, but in a show like Buffy, you know, like where there's a lot of fighting, people can get injured very easily. So we love our stunt workers. Shout out stunts. Well, what are we going to do about these music moments? Well, it's not in any of the streaming services, but my favorite music moment of the original is Lover Lay Down by Dave Matthews at the end of the episode. But guess what? What? I don't have to complain about the music because... 
thanks to our amazing listener that we talked about last week, there's a link with all the original music. So I did watch this episode. This is the first episode I watched with all the original music and my favorite music moment. And I sent you a video of me watching it dancing is Anything But Down by Cheryl Crow. Yes, you did send me that. You might not know it just by title, but when you listen to it on the Spotify Back to Bob Dawson's Creek playlist, (laughs) you'll know it. It's so good. And that just played during like a random, like Jan approaching Dawson to talk about the script scene. I just saw Cheryl Crow two weekends ago at a music festival. How was she? She was great. Did she sing? And Cheryl Crow. (laughs) Is there more to that sentence? Yes, she did sing. (laughs) Did she sing anything but down from Dawson's Creek episode 210? I I don't believe she did. But I can tell you, like, I knew that I liked Cheryl Crow and there were Cheryl Crow songs that I liked, but she has so many hits. She's the bomb. I was surprised. Yeah, she was great. What I want to say to you about your music moment is that, you know, so freaking Dave Matthews band at my high school was like the thing. Like, if you didn't like him, you weren't cool. Like, that was the thing that all the cool kids did. They would like you know, drive to Philly to see him, drive to Hershey, Pennsylvania to see him, drive to blah, blah, blah. I was not cool. So out of protest and spite and just, I guess I was projecting my hate from the cool people who were mean onto Dave Matthews. I I hated them. And you know, I like them now because you and I have gone to Mm -hmm. a show, but this was like the first Dave Matthews song I kind of liked because it was in this and this was my gateway drug into Dave Matthews. That's so funny. I also loved Dave Matthews in high school, but it definitely wasn't like a cool person thing. It wasn't, it wasn't anything. It was just like, it had no bearing on my social anything, but I did go to Philly and I did go to Hershey and I did, I went so many places to see Dave Matthews. It's so funny, the things that stick out in your memory and like the associations you make when you're growing up, because not only do I equate Dave Matthews to like the cool popular kids, and I remember them going wherever in the tri-state area to see them but like the first time i ever heard of like anyone my age using like pot mary jane marijuana (laughs) marijuana tablets was like (laughs) in a conversation with dave matthews and going to a show so that's like the that was the moment i realized like kids our age like doing that you were like god all of these cool kids at dave matthews are just high (laughs) as hell that was just it was just weird you know it was just weird because like you hear about these things but then are people really doing them like, I didn't think people in our little town were. I come from a very small town, not as small as Cape Side, but very small. I just, didn't, it was like the first time I saw someone doing Coke out here. Oh, yeah. I was just outside a house peeing with everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. As you do. All the guys are outside peeing on the side of the house. And then this kid just put Coke on the windowsill and just like did it. And I was like, he's doing Coke. <laughs> I mean, I know this is LA, but like people are doing coke. Like I'd never seen it. I'd never been around it. I wouldn't know what to do with it. Not my thing. If it was, I'd be probably a lot thinner than I am. I just, (laughs) I was so like, oh my God, people are doing it. It's here. It's here. The cops are coming. And doing it off a dirty ass windowsill. With piss everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) What is this, Amsterdam? So glamorous. Yeah, it was anyway, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I I remember in high school just having that like they're doing drugs, like a 90210, like Valerie Malone in the <laughs> Walsh house bathroom. Anyway, sorry, that was a major tangent. No, it's okay. It needed to be said. I'm glad we said it. The naked and famous one right to the bloodstream. 
<laughs> it'll do that. It is like it goes down like nothing. I love it. Do you have any past first presents? I just can't imagine being that age and being naked around. <laughs> like I was a never nude until I was like 28. Like no one saw me. No one saw me naked. No one touched me. So the fact that Jack was just we're sophomores in high school. We're doing this. It's like, look, I got you. I'm coming over. Yeah. That kind of I, it didn't really dawn on me when I was in eighth grade. But Joey was really playing with fire, asking a 15-year-old boy, 16-year-old boy, however old he's supposed to be, to describe his first sexual experience while he's laying there naked. Like, do you think he's not going to get an erection? Obviously, she doesn't know that. But that was crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, she did ask him to use art terms. (laughs) I can't wait to talk about it. (laughs) She said, describe, this is the moment when he says, I've done it a total, a lot, a lot, a total number of one time. And she says, describe it using art terms. And I, I, my mouth honestly fell open. I was just like, what is happening? So maybe one would think, maybe she thought the art terms would balance out the sexiness of it. If there's anything that turns Jack on more than women, it's men, but also it's art. Also, no wonder I have body dysmorphia and have for 25 years. Jack's body, like her Smith's body is insane. Yeah. And he's supposed to be my age, but yeah. he's like a 25 year old man with like a lot of muscle mass. And like, but that's what I thought I should have looked like. That's what I was going to say. He's so much older and he has like pecs, like no 15 year old. They're like little scrawny, little scrawny things. I know. And while we're in this topic, thanks to listener, um, ugly best friend, we got a DM Asking that if we knew that Meredith Monroe was 29 years old during this season. No. Yes. Stop it. She's 54 years old today. Holy cow. Yeah. I had no idea. She looks great. She looks great. She's almost 10 years older than Joshua Jackson. Yeah. I think he was 22 and she was 29. But so Meredith Monroe was 13 years older than me. Actually, in January of 99, she was 14 years older than me. And I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I thought she was my peer. That's bananas. That's insane to me. Thanks for the call out, ugly best friend. I had no idea. But just along the lines that, you know. But has that changed? Like, are people on teen shows now younger? I mean, they think they are. I think they are. I think it's a mixed bag. Yeah, that was mainly my past versus present. Just, I think I thought at the time, like, this would have happened. Maybe. And I'm I'm just like, I wouldn't even do that now. I wouldn't even pose nude now. No. For a friend, for a friend, for a coworker, for someone I see every day at school, classmate. But would you do it for art? No. <laughs> I do it for cold hard cash. I, love it. I am available. If anyone wants to see what's going on <laughs> under here <laughs> and document it and hang it on a museum wall. Name your price. Well, I think we should open this up. Let's open it up. The first thing I wrote down is just that the scene with Pacey and Dawson is funny to me. Joshua Jackson is a really good actor, obviously. And he's like, if you wanted it done well, get a good actor. But he does such a good job with it. Yeah, he's he's playing the uh, Joey parts. Yeah. Yeah, it is very funny. He's very funny in it. And he's doing all of the typical vocabulary that like Dawson's Creek was known for, like unequivocal saying all those words that the show got mocked for using 
and then they lean in and Dawson leans in for a kiss, but he's actually grabbing the script behind Joshua Jackson, which was very funny. I know it's nonsensical. It was just really good to have like a Dawson Pacey scene. I feel like it's been a minute. Yeah. And this episode in general is a little bit lacking in group friendship dynamic. Like they're all, all the three couples that we just talked about are broken off for the whole episode. So it was nice to start with them. Yeah. It was a good little check-in. Dawson saying that not having sex is risky and edgy is so annoying to me. He is so annoying to me. I know. I know. Just in general, he's one of those writers that I hate. You know, getting notes in this industry is very common. Writers get notes every day. You get network notes, you get studio notes, you get notes from the actors sometimes if they're executive producers. And sometimes even if they're not, you know, you get notes constantly. Writers who can't take a note just drive me crazy because they think that their writing is just so good, like it can't be noted. And they just... That drives me nuts. Yeah. To think that like your writing is so perfect that there wouldn't be a bump or an issue is just, I mean, I don't even consider anything done until I get another pair of eyes on it, you know, and that's not even including my writing partners. And if you're hearing the same note over and over again from different parties, usually it's worth exploring and thinking about. And uh, an example of this, I remember listening to an interview with Jordan Peele and he was talking about Get Out and originally Get Out. The original script of Get Out had the main character, I'm blanking on his name, get arrested. The police come and he gets arrested. And the way the movie ended up, the quote unquote police come, but it's actually his best friend coming to save the day. And people were like, you cannot end the movie this way. It is too bleak, too dark. There's no hope. Like, And he's like, yeah, but that's the reality. That's the reality. But everyone was right. Get Out's an amazing movie, and he won an Oscar for it. Yeah, I mean, that's the general rule. If you get a note, you know, more than once, you take a look at it, you know? And Dawson's getting it from everybody. And he's not looking at it. (laughs) One of my favorite parts of the episode is when Jen and Dawson are walking around before school starts, and Jen's handing out flyers for auditions for the movie, which they're going to be holding later that day. And they're pointing around to different people sitting on the quad and saying, like, so-and-so would be great, and... Dawson points to a guy who looks exactly like him. He looks exactly like himself. And it's like, that's the kind of guy we need. You know, he's like the perfect leading man. And Jen goes, that guy's sexy as a bucket. (laughs) That was so funny. (laughs) And Dawson's like, what? No, he's like Jimmy Stewart meets Tom Hanks or something. (laughs) Yeah, sexy as a bucket. That was funny. And then she points to like a bad boy. And she's like, he could be a leading man. He's sexy and intriguing. Casey getting an HIV test is kind of wild. Wild? I mean, I think I think they just used HIV as a catch-all term or interchangeably with SCD. Maybe at the, in the in the nineties, HIV was the SCD, the most common and talked about one. Not common, most commonly talked about. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I could think of. I remember in high school, AIDS and HIV were definitely like scary. Like it was like a scary thing that people talked about. Yeah. I wasn't actively scared that I was going to get <laughs> HIV or AIDS, but I maybe Andy McPhee's neurotic brain is like really needed that confirmation. Well, and her, I mean, from just from her point of view, I don't know why I always thought this, but like when we were in high school, I was like, people in high school aren't going to have HIV. <laughs> but teachers. I was a nerd. I was like, no one's having sex with someone not in this building. <laughs> 
<laughs> that'd be nuts but like i always thought of like the bigger stds as titties stds to be like in the city us, us rural folk don't have like bad stds out here your friends like oh i just went down to philly and picked up a std this weekend <laughs> but like from andy's point of view he had sex with an older woman and god knows where she's been she lived in manhattan oh my god i mean god knows which no i'm totally kidding but that's what i (laughs) please if you live in new york city that's how i just perceived it when i was you know it's a small town who's gonna have stuff here i think i'm gonna uh adopt pacey's word scrumping he calls having sex scrumping to andy multiple times i think i'm, I think I'm gonna pick that up i don't know if you should <laughs> you probably shouldn't i mean definitely don't use it you know if you're trying to you want have... a scrump <laughs> don't use the word scrumping if you're trying to scrump i don't know if it'll help you get there any faster fair fair fair, fair. oh i know what i want to talk to you about you of all people did you notice that andy doesn't close her locker yeah I did. You just don't want to bring it up because you're sick of talking about the lockers? I, I think other people are sick of me talking about the lockers. I just wanted to point it out. It will bother me forever. Forever, ever. The scene after that, though, I don't know if you noticed, but there are so many bugs flying around there are like a million gnats you can really only see it on dawson's angle but he keeps like there's a couple shots where he's like squinting his eyes and the one time he touches his face i don't know why they made him why they shot that way i mean i guess you plan out your shots and then it's hard to change your day but there are a million gnats i did not think i noticed when i watched but now that i'm looking at them it kind of makes it just feel more natural and real i don't know in a weird way you know god bless him for not getting i feel like i would have been like swatting them away yeah i thought it was really funny when jack was like i've seen a naked guy before joey you're right (laughs) i'm sure you have jack i've googled a naked guy before joey just kidding google didn't (laughs) exist then i have aol (laughs) we have dial up also who carries around an open cup of chocolate milk well she must have just come from i mean they must have just come from the cafeteria right but you're like, ooh, I don't want to finish this last quarter of a cup of chocolate milk. I'm going to walk with it. I don't know. That's I don't wild. know either. He spills it on her painting and he like massages it around in an attempt to, I guess, <laughs> clean it up. But it is so ridiculous. He is, I mean, I don't know. He he loves art. I have nothing in common with him. So I don't know why he's drinking chocolate milk. Jack talking about art gets funnier and funnier every episode in this episode when he sits down with joey at that picnic table and he's like the lines are great the shading the like you're not a professional who are you to critique her art good use of light and dark it's very dramatic and she's like really the lines are strong everything seems to be in proportion lines are strong the realness oh oh, my chocolate milk oh god Oh. (laughs) oh man all the people auditioning for Dawson's movie are amazing. Yes. They're saying just all the ridiculous Dawson's Creek dialogue, all the, you know, highly intelligent word choice, psychological repercussions of my feelings, internally struggling, all that stuff. But these nerds are so funny. The one girl in particular with the long hair and the glasses, and she's just kind of like wide eyed <laughs> on the stage. So funny. But Chris and Abby end up auditioning. It's kind of a shocker. And Chris is a little actor. 
Yeah, he thinks that, you know, might hit the festival circuit and he might get discovered. He might end up on Roswell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In the scene with Dawson and Joey in the Nets. This was the first time I feel like since, I guess, last season where they have their friendship banter bickering back. Yeah. I feel like this was their first frank conversation that wasn't, you know, riddled with either romantic tension or a fallout of their breakup. Yeah, there was no like looming awkwardness, I guess. It's like a good friendship check-in. Yeah. And she doesn't get uber offensive when he is jabbing her about being bashful with the male models. She At first she denies it, but then she's like, yeah, you're right. It's cute. Then we get to see cute little downtown Cape Side, Micah's favorite place. It honestly is. We see Main Street, Water Street, whatever we decided it is. (laughs) (laughs) And then we cut into the pharmacy where Andy's picking up her prescription and Pacey like rips it out of her hands and reads the bottle, which was a little much for me. I was like, cool it, cool it, Witter. I wonder if he thought it was like birth control. I don't know. Because they just had that talk. I have no idea. Sure. Either way, don't grab your girlfriend's medicine. Yeah, don't grab anyone's medicine. <laughs> it's yeah, a, rule, a rule of thumb. <laughs> or anyone's. It was Annie's. It was Annie's, baby. Andy's popping them. She's so lucky. I know. People would kill for but, that prescription. She's embarrassed. But they find themselves in front of the condom aisle. They sure do. They remind us that like they're contemplating sex because they're in front of the condoms, but they're definitely not ready. But like it's in the, you know, it's in the ether. It's in the zeitgeist. And Andy surprises Pacey by saying, yeah, why don't we get them? Because someday we are going to decide that we're ready and it's better to be prepared. Yes, Andy McFeel has to be prepared, as we know. She is there picking up her Xanax, so they're reminding us that she has anxiety issues. They got to keep that alive. She has secrets. She's got secrets. She says they were her mothers. They are her mothers. And then Andy describes her perfect ideal scenario to lose your virginity. It involves Frank Sinatra, strolls by the water, French restaurant, lavender candles. Bed and breakfast. Bed and breakfast, which is... I'm happy that she's she knows. She knows what she wants. Good for her. Not a car like me. <laughs> I was going to say, there wasn't even a walk. <laughs> <laughs> there was him walking in and him walking out. I did zero walking. <laughs> Good for her. That's like manifesting. Put it out into the universe <laughs> and it will come back for you. That's what they say, at least. What's the book called? The manifesting the book? The Secret. The Secret. What a world. So I think... Abby is auditioning for Joey and Chris is auditioning for Dawson, but these also might be the only sides. So sides are pages that are pulled from a script for auditions. And you could read, you know, as we talked about, I think Pacey read the sides for Dawson and then he got cast as Pacey. It's basically to get your range and how you read and interpret the script and to see if you have on screen chemistry and, you know, comedic timing, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Chris is really... Really impressive, I have to say, in his acting. Yeah. Abby, eh. She did not want to do the kiss. Yeah. But do you think they've slept together before? I, I do. Yeah. I'm not saying that that means she should want to kiss him <laughs> on stage. I just was curious of your opinion. grab her. Now, <laughs> I don't know, because Abby, we think, is kind of like a secret prude or whatever. Yeah, true. Talks a big game. She better lose it soon. Spoiler alert. No day but today, Abby. No day (laughs) but today. Jen and Dawson sit on the curb and have a conversation. 
after the auditions and Mm -hmm. Jen kind of lays out for him the different reasons that you could be intimate with someone to (laughs) (laughs) come here virgin boy let me teach you a thing or two (laughs) to try to encourage him to take this note that everyone's been giving him she's like it doesn't have to be love it can be lust it can be distraction it can be whatever all these things Mm-hmm. When they are having that conversation, they look like twins. They look like literal twins sitting together on the curb. It grossed me out. I didn't like it. They have the same hair, the same clothes. I hated it. Do you mean what? I mean, they have the same clothes and same hair in every scene. And <laughs> okay, so I, that will come back in Creek Speak because someone wrote to us and said they wanted us to talk about this. Oh. They wanted us to talk about how Dawson and Jen have the same exact haircut. But do you do you mean when they're on the stage? What curb? Oh, maybe. In when when they're on stage with the Roman ruins. In my head, they were on a curb. They're on a dock later. They're on, they, they have a lot of scenes that are sitting side by side. You're right. It is a dock. It's not a curb. It's a dock. Oh, ladies. Okay. Yeah. So later, later. Yeah. Dawson's wearing a corduroy jacket. Jen's wearing a leather jacket. But they, they are siblings. They are related. They should not kiss at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> they are Siamese twins. That's why they're always <laughs> sitting next to each other. Also, in this conversation, they're talk like Jen. I know that we've already established this and talked about this, but like Jen, you broke up with him. I know that you regret it, but like, just get it together, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> she's come back a few times, but yeah, she frits that she's the one that. So uh, Barton Keys, he commented on our instagram post and he said you need to talk about dawson and jen having the exact same haircut this season it's disturbing is that he says is that a drawing of dawson or is it of jen which is very funny (laughs) that is funny (laughs) referring to the episode where joey reveals to dawson that she loves art she's she has a sketch of dawson and then dawson sees it you know joey (laughs) so very funny he also picked up on that and i don't know how i never did but i I didn't they look identical identical and I mean, if we're being honest, Joey and Jack, I mean, they have good on-screen chemistry, but they look like they could be siblings. No, Joey and Jack could definitely be <laughs> siblings. Could definitely be siblings. It's weird. <laughs> Pacey and Andy, however, do not look like they can be related and do not look like the same person. You know who else doesn't look like they could be related? Jack and Andy. <laughs> no. <laughs> but they are. But because he has, would you say he's? I would say he has black hair. Would you say yeah. he has brown hair? No, I think it's what, black. You, I think it's dark, say dark brown. If not, yeah, no, it's dark brown. Black. It's dark brown. It's dark brown. <laughs> I'm looking at him right now. I would say black. Andy has blonde, but it's really brown. Well, she has brown hair that's dyed blonde. And then Tim, we saw a picture of Tim. Remember, he's going right. to run for Congress. And he could be the president of the United States. That's right. Yeah. No, you said he could be the president of America. (laughs) (laughs) Not the president of America. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. I mean, where's the lie? President of America. (laughs) Jen's hair is out of control. Yeah, not a fan. This is the haircut they they give people in movies when, like, the woman has had a mental breakdown. She's cut off all of her hair. (laughs) Well, she has. She has. Let's talk about... (laughs) The alcoholics that sat next to Pacey and Andy at the French restaurant. There's like 19 bottles of wine on their table. 
Oh, well, there's nobody at the table. I wish it was like one person sitting at the table. No, I just like, at first I thought that was Pacey and Andy's table. I'm like, wait, are they drinking? What are they drinking? Also, the lobster on Pacey's plate is very fake. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, just a note, just a note for set deck. Oh man, it is. (laughs) Get real lobster. (laughs) Get real. Touch grass. (laughs) Jack confesses to Joey that he has had sex once before. Yeah, he does. And then Joey asks him to describe it. And he looks a little surprised. And she's like, no, describe it as art. What would you, what you, Micah, what would you do (laughs) if someone asked you to describe your first sexual experience as art? Leave? Tell them to leave. (laughs) Like garbage art, like on Project Runway when they have to like go to the streets and like turn that into art. That's what it would be. I don't know. I would. What a what a question. He takes it so seriously. He's like, it's like the first time you see a starry night and you're looking at the same sky you've looked at every night of your life. But it's different. (laughs) It's like being wrapped in one of Georgia O'Keeffe's flowers. It's like the intensity of a Dega ballet dancer. Am I doing good? This is all off the top of my head. He's It's so weird. No, that is good. I knew he said something about the sky looking different or something. And she's like, I'm so scared to, you know, to do it. And he's like, don't be scared. It's not scary. And then he's like, but it is scary, but not like that or something. And I'm like, Jesus. Ugh, woof. What are all these kids so afraid of? And uh, I mean, I guess... I guess I took myself and things like that that seriously when I was that age. But it's just like, I'm like, get over it. Did you talk about your feelings a lot when you were in high school? Like if you if you were in a relationship like or if you liked someone? Because in my world, you talked on AIM and you made them mix CDs from oh, LimeWire yeah. or Napster. Same, yeah. And then you'd be like, does track number seven have like a secret meaning? Yes. <laughs> Once in college, a guy I was like seeing made me a mix CD and he was like, hey, just so you know, you know how like sometimes it's like, is there a secret meaning in this song? There's no secret meanings. I just picked songs that I like. I was like, cool, thanks. No, but then see, I would be like, is there a secret meaning to that? Like, is he just saying that because he doesn't? Or is there like, is one of the songs like, I love you and he means he doesn't love me? Or is one of the songs like, fuck you, I hate you and he doesn't hate me? Like, what is the meaning he doesn't (laughs) want me to interpret as the meaning? Or if there is a song, I love you, he does mean it, but he doesn't want me to think that he does unless I'm okay with that. Right. Anyway, this, this would go on. I mean, I would read into every word. I would look up the lyrics online. I mean, I'm still talking about it 25 years later on a Dawson's Creek podcast. So obviously I thought about it quite a bit too. (laughs) Not 25 years later. (laughs) Jack would be what we call in gay world a twunk. Oh, what's that? A thick twink? What's a thunk? (laughs) A cross between (laughs) a twong. A twong. A twunk. Not a twong. Not a twong. I think it's a cross between a twink and a hunk. So like, oh, that makes like not sense. A, not a like a lean muscle man, like not a twink, <laughs> not a muscle, a twunk, but like a hairless man. Because if you were in between a twink and a big, like a muscle or a bear, otter, 
you're an otter. And that was your daily lesson. On how to be gay. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's really all I have other than this little montage of the three of them together at the end, which, like you said, carried so much more weight when you immediately following knew that one of these three had slept with each other. And then it was like trying to decipher in your mind, like, okay, well, Dawson's not really like that, but he's turning over a new leaf and he's trying to be distracted and Jen is like that. So maybe it could be them. Jack's unpredictable. We don't know that much about him. And Joey's kind of open to it. Joey is a whole new Joey. And Joey loves art. And you know who else loves art? Jack. Deeply. And then Pacey and Andy the whole time are very flip-floppy. Like, she doesn't want to, but then every he's doing all of the right things and saying all of the right things, which are, no, don't worry about it. We don't have to. And then she's like, well, now I want to. So it could have been any of them. It could have been any of them. I think a really good argument as to why at this point you would maybe think that it's Dawson and Jen is because he's he has said numerous times he likes to write what he knows and he likes to write his life and infuse life and art and change the ending. And that's what art does. That's what movies do. It gives you the ending that should have been, all of these things. So he strikes me as the person who's not going to write about the sex and the lust until he experiences it. And then when he deletes his screenplay at the end, it's kind of become clear that he wants to do the version that Jen and Chris and Pacey and everyone's telling him to, but he hasn't experienced that yet. So, you know, maybe he is going over to Jen's to experience it. So he has something to write about. And that's what I think was like the big. Yeah, that's a great point. And we see Pacey and Andy leave the bed and breakfast at the end of the episode. So the day Matthews song and they get in the car which is conveniently very parked in the back alley. It's the only car there. <laughs> they definitely would have been towed. <laughs> and they drive off. And it says, to be continued. Bum, bum, bum. And then a little promo popped up. It's Abby Morgan. She finds a note. And she says, someone had sex. I want to go back to Jack getting aroused. Yes. Because he gets aroused. Where does he? He's describing his first experience as art. Yeah, I'm there. And then the phone rings, which kind of breaks up the moment. And <laughs> I mean, obviously, they can't show anything sexually suggestive on WB at that time. Mm-hmm. But he looks down and looks startled, and Joey looks down and looks surprised. And that's kind of how we. Yeah. And put she it looked like impressed. <laughs> Like, I'm about to have sex with this guy tonight. Maybe to be continued. She saw we'll something find she out. The fact that he got aroused while describing art so vividly is, I don't know. Jack needs therapy. I think he eventually does go to therapy. He's like the warmness of George O'Keefe's canvas. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, she says something and he says something. She's basically like, keep going. Not that, but like something. Yeah. She's like, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it has really this, has that vibe. <laughs> it has this tempo of it's building, it's building, it's building. Art, art. Phone ring. <gasps> Erection. <laughs> <laughs> so as I told you, I was drinking tequila while watching this and I voice noted you that it was high art. Yeah, you sure did. And... <laughs> 
I can't say that I agree, but I don't, <gasps> but I do think it's a great episode. I don't think high art would be, oh, so that's how you could describe your first sexual experience. You could describe it as <laughs> Dawson's Creek episodes because this is high art to you. I was going to say, who are you to explain high art to me? Are you Jack? <laughs> Excuse me. No, it's a great episode. It's a really good episode. I do miss, I mean, I guess we get a little Pacey Dawson, we get a little joey dawson but i do miss just like more group interaction but otherwise yeah. i thought it was a great episode thanks jenny bix and thanks, jenny bix james whitmore james, james whitmore, whitmore jr. jr yep well part two next week who had sex did anyone did everyone did no one i know next time on sex she wrote but for now we're going to do a creek speak yes well we already did <laughs> we already did the one one that we wanted to talk about was was from Barton Keys. Barton Keys, who who we got, we heard from last year, last season as well. Yeah, yeah. One of the more heartwarming notes about how it, how he and his friend are listening to it together. Yeah, so it's so cute. And then the fact that you and him said that was very funny. But I, I was going to read that during Creek Speak anyway. Now let's do Dawson's draft. Oh boy, what's the topic? The topic is best friend. Now, this is not best friends, like because best friendship we've done. So this is like the most loyal friend, the best friend, the person you would want to be your friend, the person that you thought was very admirable. Yeah. Very loyal. And you get to go first. All right. So this is, so for my first best friend, this is also, you know, in the Oscars when someone's nominated like 10 times and they lose and they finally win them and they're like 50. It's like a lifetime yes. Oscar. They didn't really deserve it for that. You know, they wouldn't have gotten the first place in that category for that movie. But so that's what this is. I'm going to pick Veronica Mars ah. because we've left that show off previous lists. It, it's been right there. It's like it's been at the runners up, like Logan and all these things. But Veronica Mars is a very loyal friend because the show, I mean, the whole first season revolves around her being a good friend because she's trying to find her best friend's murderer, which is the whole season one plot. And in general, she's just a very loyal friend. She's always solving the cases of her friends. And I think she's someone you really want in your inner circle. All right. I think I'm going to take Jack McPhee for reasons that I can't quite touch on yet. As of now, where we're at in the season, we don't really know much about how he is as a friend, actually. We know that he's been a decent friend to Joey, but now him and Joey are heating up. He's not great to Dawson, but him and Dawson aren't friends, so he doesn't owe him anything. But as his storyline evolves, he's a fantastic friend. Yeah, Jack definitely is one of the, the most loyal of the group. For my number two, I'm going with Willow from Buffy. Hmm. In addition to being a loyal sidekick the entire series, when Buffy dies in season five, it is Willow that resurrects her in season six. And... If I die, I want my best friend to resurrect. Do I? Do <laughs> no. I? Maybe I don't. Let me let me stay dead, actually. She, I mean, come on. She resurrected her best friend. Love it. Yeah, that's the ultimate act of... <laughs> that's the ultimate act of friendship. <laughs> Sorry, we could just end the list there. <laughs> I kind of, in exact reflection of yours, I'm going to choose Styles from Teen Wolf. I feel like he was also kind of sidekicky to Scott, but he is so into supporting Scott and supporting 
what Scott is learning about himself in those early episodes. And then ultimately he's just like a really loyal friend, supportive. He's great. Yeah. You do not need to convince me. I love Styles. Love him. Love him. Such a good friend. Love their friendship. So cute. Uh, for my third, I'm going to pick Will from Stranger Things. Mm. And he's just, he's the one that really wants them to all stay friends. And there's this really sad scene where he destroys Castle Myers outside and kind of realizes that her friendships are all changing and they're like starting to care about girls. And it's just sad. But I think he's a really good little, like he's like the hub of the friend group and keeps everyone together. And for some reason that idea really stands out to me when I think about that show, how like Will wanted everyone to stay friends, like keep their friend group intact. It's really cute. Yeah. And there is something really special about like there's a moment in time for every friendship where you're like, why can't it just stay like this? You know, like, why yeah. can't why can't we all just still live in L.A. and hang out every day like we used to, like kind <laughs> of like that. And he's trying to preserve that in a way that everyone else just kind of, kind of seems like they're like, eh, whatever. Yeah, like Mike really becomes interested in Eleven and then or Will just wants to like play Dungeons and Dragons. And yeah. All. It's so sad. It's like a loss of innocence changing into a new phase. You know, the things that kept you together before might not be around soon. So will you stay together without them? Like, it's just a lot. It's very cute. It's cute. I think for my number three, I'm going to take Meredith Grey. I, to be transparent, fell off of Grey's Anatomy about three seasons ago. But I think 15 seasons are enough for me to say that Meredith Grey is a good friend. She's so loyal. She's so protective of her friends. She will stand up for her friends whenever need be. And I feel like she really has built, even though they come and go, because obviously Grey's Anatomy has had a million people come in and out. She really has built, built a little friend community and she treats all of them like family. I just think she's a really good friend. Yeah, totally. And that is why my fourth pick is Christina Yang. Hey! <laughs> yeah there's something about the christina is just very loyal she will cut a bitch she will they had a thing on that show where she was like uh, christina is the one i would call to bury the body she's my bury mm-hmm. the body person you know and uh i just feel like she's loyal she would lose her job for you she would you know oh, yeah. she always kind of stands up for what's right she'll tell you what you, what you necessarily don't want to hear but she's a good friend yeah she was on my list too they're both great <laughs> okay this is kind of out of the box. But for my fourth, I'm going to pick Hodor from Game of Thrones. I watched, I I, I, don't, know, I don't know how we feel about spoiling on the show, but I watched his last scene on the show today and I cried again. He is just the, nice, the nicest, sweetest man no. who can only say one word, but he's so loyal. He's so protective of, who's the guy that becomes the king? Braun. He's Braun. Braun. Is that his name? Bran. Braun. Bran. 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 Right. I think he he's just so protective and <laughs> <laughs> protective of the person he's supposed to protect. His name we can't remember because we're forty <laughs> and we're drinking whatever the fuck this is. Naked and naked famous. And famous. <laughs> oh, and we're drinking that because Jack got naked. Yes, he did. And then he got an erection. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of erections, Hodor is just thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Jack might have gotten a second one. We'll find out next week. Oh, man. 
Okay, I'm sorry. Hodor is a hilarious picture. Uh, that was your fourth, right? Yeah. Yep. I am going to go with for my last pick, Andrea Zuckerman from Manitouna. Andrea Zuckerman was best friends like with everyone. You know, she was a good friend of Brandon. She was a good friend of Steve. She was a good friend of Dylan. She was a good friend of the girls. Like she kind of became everyone's best friend at some point, and she's a damn good friend. Good pick. I can already tell you that my team is going to lose this. First of all, <laughs> my t- I've been I've been getting roasted in the comments of the Dawson's draft. Everyone's like Team Christina, Team Christina. Got to go to Team Christina on this one. I'm going to go to Team Christina this week. It's I fine. just picked Hodor. <laughs> I think you'll be it's all fine. right. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. It's not like I think about it. It's not like I stay up at night crying about it. <laughs> I'm torn between two. Okay, I'm gonna pick. Boo from Fleabag season one. She is Fleabag's best friend and she is so supportive. She supports her in her cafe. She's just very emotionally, verbally supportive. Like you really feel the love coming off of her for her friend. They have like a very lovely friend relationship. And if you haven't seen the show, you absolutely should. It is I think my favorite show of all time, but wow, really? Yeah. She's lovely. Amazing. I, you know what? I watched Fleabag season one and two, but I don't know. I, I think not to make it sound like art, but I don't think I got it because, Mm. you know, it's on a lot of people's favorite show lists and I liked it, but like, I didn't like, you know, yeah, I, I need to watch it again. I remember loving season one, but then everyone loved season two more than season one. And that's when I was like, something I didn't land with me. I need to rewatch it. Yeah. Season two really clicked for me. I liked season one a lot. I even, I loved season one by the end. Mm-hmm. But season two, man, it's so good. It's so good. She's just so easy to watch. Like the watchability oh, yeah. factor for her is. And she's so talented. She's a talented writer. She created Killing Eve, which is also another phenomenal show we've never really talked about. Yeah. First season of Killing Eve. Amazing. So good. Yeah. That's your that's your last one. So who was your runner up? My runner up is, I don't even know if we can count her because I think technically she's in a half hour, but it's a dramedy from single drunk female Felicia. She's the childhood best friend of the main character and the main character is seeking treatment and becoming sober because she has an alcohol problem and felicia is so loyal so fun so supportive of her in that journey even as someone who's like not also going through the same thing she's just a really good friend i think that that i don't know i think she's a great friend she's so funny she's so funny she's a great character i love her same well that is that yeah so what are we going to drink next week for episode 211 sex she wrote Next week, we are drinking the Love Note, a.k.a. a paper plane, which is a delightful cocktail. You will need bourbon, Amaro Nanino, Aperol, and lemon juice. Ooh, I wonder how that's going to taste. Have you had that? I have. I love them. I think they're delicious. Big fan. You have had so many more drinks than I have. <laughs> I just stick to the same two. It's not, there's something to be said for that. That's not a bad thing. Well, that is that. Part one. 
our first cliffhanger i mean our first two-parter to be continued yeah it is well yes yeah, it's a cliffhanger though and like who had sex maybe no one someone did though maybe maybe <laughs> everyone i mean that's gonna be drama oh yeah absolutely can't wait to find out who it was next week <laughs> bye, bye.